Open our ears to hear your word, O Lord, and our hearts to respond. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, it's good to be here this morning. It's good to be uh, to be back into the life of the college in a full-time way. As uh, most of you know, I spent uh, the, the uh, fall semester burrowed away in a sabbatical groundhog hole. Uh, but over the Christmas break, I poked my head out of the hole and didn't see my shadow, so I realized my uh, sabbatical time was over. It's good to be back. As uh, Bishop Mason has said, in the winter semester, our Thursday morning preaching series is going to focus on the, uh, uh, the Lord's Prayer. U usually in the winter semester, we uh, focus on particular sections of Scripture, sometimes a whole book, sometimes a selection. This year, it's the Lord's Prayer. We're going to be looking at a different line of the prayer each week, and I get to start it off this morning as we consider for a few moments the phrase that introduces the prayer in Luke's gospel, the request of the disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. The Lord's Prayer isn't the only place in the gospels where we encounter Jesus as a teacher of prayer. Jesus gives explicit teaching uh, on prayer in several other passages. Besides this, the gospels record a couple of other uh, prayers of, of him along with a number of general references to Jesus as engaging in prayer without any uh, indication of the content of the prayer. So Jesus not only teaches his disciples about prayer, he models his teaching in his own prayer life. But the Lord's Prayer is the capstone. Here in a single passage, theologically rich and elegantly structured, we encounter Jesus both as a teacher and as a model. It's a wonderful prayer providing us with a unique insight into the spiritual life of Jesus. Partly for this reason, though, th there are questions to be asked about how the prayer is to serve as a model for Christian prayer. That is, how might the prayer be seen as a response to our own request as Christians? Lord, teach us to pray. What I'm edging up to here is the fact that the prayer differs from most Christian prayer, both elsewhere in the New Testament and throughout the history of the church, in that it is devoid of explicit Christological content. The prayer with which Paul begins most of his letters, for example, are densely packed with references to Christ. For example, six times in the little prayer with which 1 Corinthians begins. Most of the prayers in this chapel are offered to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. By contrast, the Lord's Prayer is strikingly devoid of any references to the Lord, or to Jesus, or to Christ. It is a prayer that could be offered by any pious Jew in the first century, something significant in itself, a point to which we will return. Of course, someone may well object that the presence of the Lord in the Lord's Prayer is everywhere evident, even if implicitly. It's the prayer taught by the Lord Jesus, after all. When we recite it, we are repeating the words of Jesus himself. The objection is not without force, but the question remains, and I don't think it's simply to be set aside. How can this prayer, which says nothing explicitly about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ, serve as a model for prayer for the church, the community that has been called into being precisely by these events? 
The question remains, but the objection points us in the direction of an answer. If the prayer has ongoing significance, that is, if it is a prayer not simply for the disciple during the earthly ministry of Jesus, but also for the church, the significance is to be found in the fact that it is Jesus' own prayer. Or to put more of a point on it, it is Jesus' own prayer, not simply in that he taught it, but also in that it was his own prayer to the Father, a prayer rooted in his own earthly ministry. To expand on this, I want to make two points about the prayer as a whole. The first point I'll introduce briefly and then return to it a little later. This point has to do with the fact that the prayer is framed with first-person plurals. Our Father, give us, forgive us, do not bring us, deliver us. In other words, Jesus himself joins with his disciples in this prayer. Or we could just as well put it the other way around. Jesus invites his disciples to join him in his own prayer. I'll come back to this in a moment. The second point has to do with the fact that all of the elements of the prayer relate in significant ways to aspects of Jesus' own ministry and mission. Willingness to depend on God for the provision of daily bread was one of the issues in the temptation, as was the readiness to worship God alone and thus to sanctify God's name. The petition for the coming of, of God's kingdom or rule leads us directly to the heart of Jesus' proclamation and teaching. Repent, for the kingdom of God has drawn near, we hear him say. Or, the kingdom of God is like someone who sowed seed in a field, or mixed yeast with flour, or found a treasure in a field. The nature and coming of the kingdom was central for Jesus. The petition to be spared the time of testing is one that Jesus was to pray again in the Garden of Gethsemane. Though there he also showed himself ready to undergo the trial in order that God's will might be done on earth. And even the petition to be forgiven our debts or trespasses is not without resonance in that Jesus saw his whole life and his death as a redemptive self-offering given as a ransom for many for the forgiveness of sins. I think it's possible to see the Lord's Prayer then not simply as a lesson taught by a teacher to his disciples, but as an invitation to enter into the life and mission of the teacher himself. The prayer is, in a very deep sense, Jesus' own prayer, in that it arises out of the core of his mission as Messiah and Son. And yet, by inviting his disciples to share in this prayer, Jesus was calling them into a participation with him in the mission. When we look at it from this angle, then, the prayer is deeply Christological and thus deeply Christian. As the prayer of Jesus himself, it is located squarely at the center of his mission as Messiah and Son. As a prayer that Jesus invites his disciples to share, it serves to signal our participation with Christ in the process of redemptive self-offering and cross-bearing of death to this age and rising for the life of the age to come. 
I suggest that when we look at the Lord's Prayer from this angle, we catch a glimpse of the pattern of identification and participation that is profoundly captured by Irenaeus in his well-known maxim, Christ became what we are in order that we might become what he is. On one hand, we have Christ's full identification with the human situation, his becoming what we are. In the first instance, this was a full identification with Israel. As I've already noted, none of the petitions was startlingly new. Most of them find parallels in Jewish prayers of the day. Jesus' mission as Messiah and Son was deeply rooted in the life, faith, and hope of the faithful within Israel. But Jesus' full identification with Israel was at the same time and in a particular way an identification with the whole of humankind. Israel's election out of all the nations of the world was to result eventually in the blessing of all the nations of the world, in the appearance of a light that would enlighten the Gentiles, which, as we know, is where we come in. But on the other hand, identification is just part of the story. Yes, Christ fully identifies with the human situation, even to the point of death. But more than this, by remaining faithful even to the point of death, that is, by sanctifying God's name, by depending on God for sustenance, by subordinating his own will to that of the Father, even at the cost of his own life, by experiencing fully the time of testing and trial. In sum, by living and dying in this way, Christ defeated the power of sin and death and opened up a way in which humankind might be delivered from evil and enter into the life of the kingdom of God, that domain where God's will is indeed done. It is this cruciform way that Jesus invites his disciples to walk. It is this victory that he invites his disciples to share. In response to our question, Lord, teach us to pray, Jesus responds not simply with a standalone, independent set of petitions, though as we will be reminded throughout the series, the petitions are spiritually rich and nourishing. More than this, uh, his response to us is an invitation to participate with him in the process that leads from death to life. Identification, victory, participation. This is the Christological pattern embedded deeply in the very substance of the prayer itself. May we immerse ourselves more deeply in the prayer this semester and thus enter more fully into our participation in Christ. In his name and for his sake. Amen.